Good evening, it's uh, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim, and we want to learn a little bit of the parasha this week. Uh, it's important for us to remember that uh, one of the topics that takes us, takes up a lot of uh, kind of energy and space in the book of Dvarim is Avodah It's almost as if the Torah doesn't expect Am Yisrael to overcome this transgression. But no matter how many times we're warned about it, we're warned again and again, we somehow feel that we don't expect to overcome. Now, in fact, it seems to be true that when the Jews came to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan, when they came to Eretz Canaan and lived there. And the book of Shoftim distinguishes the north and the south. North means north of Yerushalayim. All the tribes that were north of Yerushalayim. And south means mostly the tribe of Yehuda that was south of Yerushalayim. The book of Shoftim takes place in the north. In the north, the northern tribes are the subject of the book of Shoftim. And one of the topics in that book, and which continued in Shmuel, one of the topics is Avodazara. If you go through the book of Shoftim, you'll see that the Jews keep falling back into a state of Avodah Zarah. Every 40 years they go to war. They win the war. Some sort of charismatic leader comes along and helps them out. And they kind of make it for another 40 years. The summary is that in the north, in the north of Eretz Israel, they were not able to conquer their desire for idolatry in the south they did better and the tribe of Yehuda did manage to wipe out idolatry at the beginning but we know that eventually the northern kingdom was exiled in 722 BCE and disappeared their idolatry the idolatry they practiced did not have an option for repentance. In the south, where the exile, of course, took place in 586 BCE, but sometime later, uh, the Jews there figured out a way to maintain, to maintain themselves even in exile, and started returning back to Eretz Yisrael after 50 years. The destruction of the Second Temple by the Romans is another story which we will have to get to at another occasion. So it means that all that time, from the time that Joshua came to Eretz Canaan with the people, until they were all exiled from Eretz Canaan, one of the main faults 
that uh, the people of Israel expressed or displayed was their inability to deal with with Avodah Okay, that's the first thing that I would like to remind you of. The second thing I want to remind you of is the is the fourth source on the sheet, the Mishnayot from Zvachim. The Mishnayot discuss a particular problem, and that was the the Bamot. People wanted to do something, you know, to act in a religious manner. They wanted to display themselves before God. So how did they do that? Well, they built Bamot, high places, and put in their backyards or wherever they were, and they gave sacrifices. The Bamot themselves became an issue. Now look how they become an issue. You look at the Mishnayot, you look at the Mishnayot, Perik Zorachim, Perik Yudalit, Pesuk Zalit. The first Mishnah says, Achilo Kama Mishkan, Ayabamot Mutarot. Until they built the Mishkan in the desert, when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai in Yom Kippur, the first thing Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, let's build a Mishkan. And they did that. But until that Mishkan was built according to according to the Mishnah, Mutarot. They were allowed to sacrifice Abamot any place they wanted. Any place they wanted to sacrifice. Mishnah Hay. Mishnah says, Baula Gilgal. Abamot. Gilgal is the first place that Joshua ben Nun got to when he crossed into we crossed the river of the Jordan River and he came to Eretz Canaan the first camp the first place they encamped was Gilgal Gilgal is reconstituted today along the Krisha Bika if you drive on the Bika up to uh, Beit Sha'an you pass Gilgal, it's the first place, that, the first Jewish place that you uh, come to. So, Baal Gilgal, who drew Habamot. Mishnah says, Baal Shiloh Habamot. Now, Shiloh was a kind of a major uh, place. It was uh, some place, a place that attracted people from all over Eretz Israel to come and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu there. So the Mishnah says, Baal HaGilgal, Baal HaShiloh, Ne'esru HaBamot. So for a long time, they weren't able to do, to give sacrifices on Bamot. After Shiloh, for Mishnah Zion says, Baal HaNova Givon, Utru HaBamot. After Shiloh, they came to Novogivov for a short period of time. But the, and during that short period of time, who drew up a moat? Mishnah Chet, Baali Yerushalayim, they came to Yerushalayim, they threw up a moat. They came to Yerushalayim, they were no longer allowed Bamot. There was no possibility to change that ever. 
קודשי קודשים נחלים לפנים מן הקלעים, קודשים קלים, מעשר שני לפנים מן החומה. So what about במה? Is it מותר? Or is it not mutter? And if it's mutter, why was it sometimes osur? Why did it end up being osur entirely? And if it was osur, why did it become mutter again? It was mutter before they built the Mishkan. Right? This is what it says in the... Then it was osur in the Mishkan. It was mutter in Gilgal. It was osur in Shiloh. It was mutter in... Nova and Givon. And finally, Yerushalayim, it was also. It was also in Yerushalayim, even though we know that uh, Eliyahu Navi. well, Gehara Carmel gave sacrifices. The Gemara calls that a Hora'atcha'a. Eliyahu Navi. I don't want to get everybody mixed up with uh, unnecessary information but you ask me you say like what is it what's going on here how come mutter osur mutter osur so I have to say that the, that the Jews wanted to serve God and the way they wanted to serve God was by bringing korbanot but bringing korbanot as we know was the way that the Odei Avodizara also served God. In fact, there was this conflict. There was a conflict. You, you, you would never know. You would never know whether the Jews who are bringing Korbanot outside of the Beit HaMikdash are doing it for God or they're doing it for, uh, for idolatry. You can't know. And therefore, the only way to deal with that problem is to forbid it. But they could not, or the, the halacha didn't see forbidding it all at once as being a re- reasonable modus operandi. So they said, we'll do it little by little, when we can. Right, Shiloh is a big, was a big center, a lot of avoda in Shiloh, a lot of avoda sashem. So they said, okay, no, no... Uh, No bamot. So you see that the danger with Avodah is that it doesn't seem to be Avodah You have to think about it. You have to learn about it in order to be able to classify in your mind that idolatry is Avodah is foreign. It's not to be included. Right? Not to be included. Now that Avodah Zorah, that idea of Avodah Zorah is somehow reflected in our relationship to Eretz Yisrael. Because the Pasuk says, if you look at the last source on the on the page, Dvarim Perikud Bet, the first Psukim, Eila Chukim Vamishpatim, not our parsha, but it's related. Eila Chukim Vamishpatim, Hashem Tishmuru Lasot, these are the rules that you should be careful to keep. Ba'aretz, asher natan, asher 
and there's some sort of a statement that's going to be made about Eretz Canaan. Eretz Canaan is special. Inheritance. It's going to belong to you. It's going to be yours. It's yours. The land of Canaan. Pasuk bet. Abed ta'abdun. Destroy them. Wipe them out. Who? Et kola mekomota sher avdusham hagoyim asher atem yoshim otam et elohehem. You inherit the land from them, from the goyim, but also from the gods of the goyim. In other words, in order to make Eretz Israel or Eretz Kenan a place for HaKadosh Baruch you have to get rid of idolatry. Now, getting rid of idolatry means you have to get rid of the idolaters, the ones who practice idolatry. But you also have to get rid of the idolatry itself. Very, very much destroy them, uproot them, get rid of them. Where are these? Where is the place of idolatry? On the mountaintops, in the valleys, under the trees, so that in Chutzlaritz, where you don't really have, you don't really have possession of the place. It doesn't belong to you. I mean. You make believe that it belongs to you. You have a contract with the non-Jewish owner. But it doesn't really belong to you in the sense that Eretz Kinan belongs to you. So that in Chutzlaretz, you're prohibited from doing Avodah Zorah, from acting it out, from being part of that community. But you don't have an obligation to purify the place and rid it of Avodah Zorah. You don't have that obligation. Abeita Abdun is only in Eretz Kenan. It's only in Eretz Kenan. Pasuk Gimel says, when he touched them at Mizbechotam, he shibbarred them at Matzevotam, v'asherehem t'shubu me'eshub s'ilei Eloheihem t'gadeyun, v'abibadetem et shmam min ha'makom ha'hu. Ibadatem et shmam, aveit abdun in the first pasuk. Ibadatem, you have to destroy their name. People can't go by and say, "Oh, I remember there was a statue here once." Got to be out of mind, forgotten, uprooted, take it out, take it out of the of the place. That's an obligation that we have. So in Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, there's a higher standard. And so when they built the Beit HaMikdash, when they built the Beit HaMikdash, for some, that was the end of the, 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 the wavering on this point. After the Beit HaMikdash was built, there could no longer be sacrifices of Bamot. Because Abama is similar to Avodah Zarah. It makes a claim 
that this particular place where you're building the Bama is somehow owned by the idolatry. And that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. So, you know, if we go along and, and talk about this uh, more, we would have to agree. We'd have to agree that idolatry is a big problem. And the reason that it is so often mentioned in the book of Tvarim is that since the people are going into Eretz Yisrael, idolatry is their greatest enemy. They can't deal with idolatry. They won't be able to maintain ownership on Eretz Canaan. They'll be exiled, and history will have to start over again. And they'll never get to where they're supposed to get to. And so, so you have this constant reminder in the book of Tvarim that you have to get rid of idolatry. That you have to get rid of idolatry. You can't control yourself or practice restraint of one kind or another. You have to get rid of it because idolatry is not just competition for your hearts and minds, but idolatry is competition for your property. You can't own Eretz Yisrael as long as there's idolatry. Because the idolatry claims to own Eretz Yisrael. Now, it may be that you could find a parallel to this idea in the book of Eov, of Job, but we're not going to do that at the moment. But there are two sources that I'd like to remind you of with that are in uh, in our parasha, the parasha of Mitzavim. The first one is the first one on the page. And begins with the words Kiyam Mitzvah Azot. I just remind you that it comes after the parasha, which is called Parashat Tshuva. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu guarantees us that we will be able to do tshuva someday and come back to Eretz Israel. I don't know if we are those people, but uh, it certainly would be nice to think that. Then the pasuk says Kiyam Mitzvah Azot. Mitzvah singular Azot pointing this mitzvah. So about this, there's a machloket we show them where the Kiyam Mitzvah Azot refers to the mitzvah of tshuva, that's the Ramban, or Kiyam Mitzvah Azot refers to the Torah. Right? Like the whole Torah is a singular. Uh, let's say it's the whole Torah. Let's say Kiyam Mitzvah Azot, let's agree that for the purpose of our discussion today, we're going to like accept the position of the Rishonim, let's say it's all the mitzvot of the Torah, which I command you today, Rashi explains, it's not covered up, you can't, it's not hidden away from you. The lower Chokahi, and it's not far away. Where is far away? Far away on the mountaintops, in the sky. Right? Remember the Pasuk we just read? Kolomekomot. Pasuk Bet in Parakyut Bet. Abet Abdun, Kolomekomot, Achabdu Shabbat Goyim. Asher Tem Yoshimotam Adeloheim, Al Harim, Haramim, Valagvot, Vitakolet Ranan. So you could say, what's far away? 
what, what are we talking about? Lo lefleti mimcha velo rechotahi. Lo b'shabai milemor miyalel al shabai. But who's, who, what's in the heavens? What's in the heavens? The stars, the sun, the moon, all avodazara, all made into avodazara. Right? Lo b'shabai mi lemor miyalel al shabai ma v'yikachel anu. Well, somebody did go up to the heaven and brought it down for us. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, so that you could have a a, a non-Jewish ideology. That said, maybe Moshe Rabbeinu left something up in heaven that he didn't bring down. It's not on the other side of the ocean. Right, the mitzvah hazot. Why would you say on the other side of the yam? Leimor miyavor lano et el eva yavi kachel lano v'yashvienu tavenasena ki karov elecha davar ma'od b'fichov l'adcha l'azota. In other words, we know. We know that various ideologies, religious ideologies throughout the centuries have taken a stand against the Torah. It's too hard. It's too outlandish. How can we do it? We have to concentrate on other things. I mean, this is, you know, this with the roots of Christianity and Islam. What were, were arguments about the Torah. And so here you have a statement in favor of the Torah. But it's like, like two things. There's idolatry. It's very bad. But also very bad are the religions that may not be idolatry, but that disagree with the Torah point of view. You have to be warned against that as well. Be warned against that as well. Before that, there's another, there's another parasha, Perak Lamed Aleph, Vasagyutu Yud Gimel. I'll read it. I'll read it now, and we'll. Moshe Rabbeinu had a few commanded a few mitzvot at the end of his days. Every seven years there's a Shemitah. And on that Shemitah year, Chag Sukkot, there's a special event that's going to take place. Once in seven years, you get everybody together. It's called, the mitzvah is called Hakel. And you read the Torah. You read the Torah to them. Hakel et ha'am, the Pesach says. Pesach yud bet ha'am, anashim, anashim, v'atap, v'gercha asher bisha'arecha, Leman Yishmu, Leman Yumidu, Viu et Kashem Elokechem, Vishamu Lasot, et Kol Devrea Torah Hazot. And Rashi says, Rashi, Mikate Sheva Shanim, Vishanari Shonash of Shmita, Shehi Shanaba Shminit, the first, the beginning of the eighth year, Vilava Pereota Shanat Shmita, if it's the eighth year, it's not Shanat Shmita. Okay, Rashi has a technical, he's being able to answer the question in a, in a technical manner. 
But that's that's only the beginning. Tikrata Torah Hazot. So the the Rashi quotes the Gemara in Sota that says Hamelech Hayakorei Mitchilat El Hadvarim Kedi'ita Masechet Sota Al Bimashel Eitz Shayu Osim Azara. So here's the picture. All of Am Yisrael is collected. All of Am Yisrael. The king comes out and he sits. You know what it means to sit? It means that you're not the king. Kings, right, you know, in a, in a, 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 a princely place, you know, the king would stand and address the, the crowd, but he sits down and he has a wooden table, which also doesn't fit into the Beit HaMikdash so much. And he reads from the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. So two things happen. One thing is that B'nai Yisrael understand that the Torah is far superior to the king. It's not the king that we are dependent on, but it's the Torah that we are dependent on. And in fact, if you look at Rashi and Pasuk Yudbet, Anashim lilmod anashim lishmoa v'ataf l'amabal atet zechalu that everybody can experience the connection of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, the connection of a Kodesh Baruch Hu to them through this Torah that is being read. It's not a sheer Kloli. It's not something that they're learning. It's just that they're present at an event. And that event is the reading of the Torah. And the reading of the Torah proves to them that that's the ultimate source of relationship, ultimate source of relationship, which is a denial again of Avodazara and, uh, and a way of preventing the king from assuming a position that doesn't really, it's not really his position to assume that he's in charge, that he will tell the people where to go and how to do, how to do whatever they are able to whatever they're able to do. Uh, the Ramban adds a nuance. So you look at the Ramban, he says, Anashim, Anashim, ki gam hen shom'ot v'lomdot li'ra'at Hashem. So the Ramban reminds us that there are two aspects to Talmud Torah. One aspect of Talmud Torah is you want to learn the material. I, want to, I mean, I don't want to go wrong on Shabbat. I want to know what's mutter and what's osur. That's very important. That's certainly as important for women as it is for men. Right? They have to know. They have to know the Torah. On the other hand, the women are not going to be. Uh, they're not going to be uh, functionaries. They don't have to learn the halacha of functionaries. The functionaries have to know more than the regular people. And the women are in this category, in this case, they're like people. People have to learn halacha, the women have to learn halacha, that's, that's clear. But the women don't have to be Rosh Yeshiva. And therefore, they don't have to learn what the Rosh Yeshiva learned. But there's another aspect to Talmud Torah which everybody understands, everybody understands. Even, even the Hasidim. They all understand there's another aspect to Talmud Torah, and that aspect is what the Ramban calls. You see the Ramban? The Ramban says, 
כי גם הן שומעות ולומדות ליראת השם. The Talmud Torah brings you to the state of Yerashamai. You fear God because you're learning God's words. You're trying to understand what God wanted of you. That itself is the, the religious experience of Talmud Torah. So that religious experience, because it's not a sheer, it's not something where you have to, you know, what you're how much you know and how high you've gotten and how clear it, you know, it all is. It's not that way. And the hakel is a religious experience. It's not a learning experience. And, the, uh, and what we want is, or we hope that the people, the men, the women, the children, will be able, will be able to learn, uh, to learn this and that's once in seven years. It's not a curriculum. It doesn't have a continuum. But it's something something special. In, in, in other words, alongside, parallel to the fact that you can't give korbanot wherever you want. Right? We've driven out Avodah Zorah by making the source of religious uh, intentions and feelings the Torah. We put the Torah into that position. So that's all in the Hakel. That's all in the Hakel. Come to Yerushalayim once in seven years to validate the fact that we feel the way we feel because of the Torah that we know about. Not learning Torah, but feeling the Torah. That was the, that's the charge. That's what we are, uh, that's what we are saying. So if I had to say this over again, I would say there's a uh, difficulty with Avodah Zorah. And we have to get to the point where the Bamot could be forbidden. And we got to that point when we built the Beit HaMikdash, even though Eliyahu Navi might represent a deviation. And a mitzvah azot a mitzvah so you can't you can't use images that are connected to Avodah Zorah. Lo b'shamayim he leimor miyaleh on hashamayma the kind of mythological characters that can fly in the air and go up to heaven and take things out and up. All of that has to be all of that has to disappear in order that idolatry will not be able to reign its ugly head in, uh, in the community of Israel. Good Shabbos to you all.